Today we have a special announcement. Rep Mike Stewart is coming exclusively to the holler to announce, and we really do appreciate that. Mike, how are you today, sir? I'm doing great, and uh, thank you for having me on the holler. It's always great to be here. House Dems caucus chair until this session. How long have you been in there? I've been in since 2008. I was elected in 2008. All right, so why don't I just let you take it away and you tell us what you have to say? Sure. Thank you very much. And I appreciate the opportunity to get on the holler. I wanted to just talk to uh, a lot of people all at once, and this is a great way to do that. So uh, thanks for all the work you've done, um, getting getting all the Democrats and uh, many, many other folks, uh, the news from the legislature. Uh, I wanted to announce I'm not running for re-election for the state house. I wanted to do that now because I know there are a lot of great Democrats in my district who may want to consider running, and I wanted to give them time to think about it. Um, I am not losing interest in politics, as you might imagine. Um, I'm still very interested in state politics, and I will continue to serve as a strong Democrat uh, to the extent possible uh, during the time I'm in office, because there are a lot of challenges that we all know about, and I will do everything I can uh, to push back on, on the terrible policy that particularly the Lee administration is putting forward right now with respect to education. Now, that said, why am I getting out of the House? Honestly, my total energies uh, have, and my focus, uh, have turned to a, a an unprecedented national problem that I never expected to see, which is a members of a major party, uh, President Trump specifically, and some, but not all of his supporters, actually challenging America's democratic system. You know, I grew up with most people watching in a United States of America that was just assumed to be the most stable and admired democracy in the world. It never occurred to me that I would ever face a situation where I had a major candidate, much less a sitting president, simply lying about the results of a presidential election, saying that an election was fraudulent when it was not. And then even up until January 6th of last year, I personally was one of the people who naively thought that once President Biden took office, and particularly after the January 6th riots, that everybody in our nation, Democratic and, Democrat and Republican, would repudiate that behavior, would reinforce the rule of law, would declare President Biden the winner, would respect him as such, and that we would go on with our democracy. Unfortunately, the opposite has happened. What we're seeing is now there are a large number of people, thankfully not a majority, that continue to disrespect President Biden, to continue to, and I don't mean politically, I mean to challenge the fact that he was elected. Uh, they continue to spread lies about the election being fraudulent, which it was clearly not, and continue really to work to undermine our entire system of democracy. It's the most extraordinary threat to our country that I have personally witnessed in the time that I've been alive. So I just feel like I have to, as a lawyer, as somebody who knows a lot about elections, as an elected official, I have to turn my attention to this, what I view as a national emergency. And I know you want to talk to me about it. I'll just say specific things I'm talking to leaders around the country about are one, the need to protect our polls. 
We cannot have a situation in 2022 or 2024 where any Yahoo can just wander in with a claim of fraud and have some credibility. We need to make sure that the record of voting is airtight and monitored because for the first time in our country's recent history, we have forces that are literally seeking to undermine that process. So we have to have not just general poll watchers, but trained lawyers at every poll. We need to make sure that anti-democratic people to the extent possible, are not allowed to control state legislatures or election machinery. Again, this is the kind of thing that I used to, would have five years ago thought only existed in science fiction movies. But yes, right now it's very important to make sure we had actual legislators sitting in state legislatures trying to gin up electors who were not elected by the people of their state to vote for President Trump instead of voting for the people who the people of the state chose. The people of Pennsylvania chose Biden, yet we had Pennsylvania legislators questioning that. That's totally unacceptable. We need to make sure to the extent possible that such people are prevented from having their day. And finally, then I'll shut up and let you question me. Um, we need to have an intellectual battle. I mean, we need to make sure that people like Senator Ted Cruz have a very stark choice. You either uphold our democratic system or you cast your lot with the people who would destroy America's democratic system with violence and lies. You need to make a choice. This is a time in which American leaders have to make a choice. There's a very clear choice. And this is not, I will say, a choice between Democrats and Republicans. And it's not a choice really between people who support President Trump and people who don't. Look, there are plenty of Republicans I serve with in the Tennessee legislature that have all sorts of views that I don't agree with. But they believe in the democratic system. They were elected by their people and they have the right to rule. And I don't have the right to challenge that. The only way I can challenge that is by running someone against them and winning. Okay. There are people in the legislature that supported President Trump, but quietly they'll tell you they're appalled by his efforts to undermine our presidential election system and our system of democracy. And so, uh, you know, to me, this is not a matter. We, we can't just sort people in Democrat and Republican baskets. We have to sort people in two baskets. You're either like virtually every American leader that's ever served since George Washington, a person who believes in our democracy, or like Senator Cruz, you're not. You are not in that club. People like Ted Cruz, he's just an example of someone who refused to accept the presidential election. They're no longer qualified to participate in our public life. And again, that's not true for lots of Republicans. Vice President Pence, courageously stood up for our democratic system. He and I don't agree on much politically, but he did the right thing. And he certainly is still qualified to participate in our public life. I won't vote for him because I'm a Democrat and I'm not for a lot of his views, but that's the distinction that needs to be drawn. We need to have an intellectual battle in this country. And those people, many of them with fancy degrees and enormous amounts of wealth, those people who are somewhat like the British aristocracy who dabbled in Nazism in the 1930s, who are dabbling with this idea of a non-democratic America, they need to be forced to make a clear choice publicly.
because that is just an outrage and frankly something I never expected for the first 50 years of my life that I would ever see in the United States of America. So Mike, let me just sum it up for people that are just joining us here. You've just now told us you're not seeking re-election in 2022 and you're making you're drawing a direct line, I think, and hopefully maybe the headlines will reflect this. You are leaving the house to go fight for our democracy. You are leaving to go join this fight to essentially pull us back from the edge nationally as a country because you feel like it's important to sound the alarm about the state of our democracy. Is that fair? That's fair. That's correct. Yeah. And how do you plan to do that? Well, I plan to do that first and foremost by trying to work with the existing democratic groups to, to ensure that we have all the pieces in place. And I'll give you a specific, okay? Right now, I'm trying to organize a group of Democratic lawyer, legislators, lawyers who have participated in state, local or national politics, particularly focused on the swing states, to act as an information sharing group so we can so we can very quickly assess which states have the best responses to the current crisis and which ones don't. So I'd like to think that within 90 days, I'll be able to get back on the holler and talk about having a, a pretty comprehensive system of lawyer, lawyer politicians throughout the United States and in particular in the swing states to start focusing on these issues because it's, it's really important. I understand, I talk to a lot of Democrats and I talk to a lot of Republicans and people are kind of beat down because this is such an unprecedented challenge. We're also unused to it that people are are kind of taken aback, set back on their heels. And we need to kind of get out of that thinking and start, as you always do with a challenge in life, start piecing out the 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 challenge before us and developing a clear strategy moving forward. We kind of know what that means. We know that means protecting the polls. We know that means having having people in place to meet any fraud challenge immediately and with enormous intellectual capacity. But I think it will really help to have lawyers who are also elected officials in every part of the country and in particular the swing states so that we can share information and, and make sure that the proper steps are being taken in every area. That's the first concrete step I plan to take. So anybody who watches The Holler knows that, you know, we have said repeatedly it's impossible to be too alarmed about where we are as a country. You know, the impossible. path. It's impossible. Yeah. yeah. I mean, it, it's it's, you know, the path to no longer being a democracy is very clear before us. And so I do appreciate that you're sounding the alarm. Oftentimes it feels like Mark Elias is kind of out there by himself fighting all these fights. So I think it is important to have lawyers like yourself out there. And so I, I do appreciate it. Now I have to ask you a question that I think most people are going to wonder, which is, might it not be uh, easier to fight this fight in a race like, let's say, TN5 running for Congress where there is no Democrat yet declared. And is that something you've given any thought to? I've given thought to it. I mean, sure. I've had a number of people reach out to me about that race and uh, it is, it is worth thinking about, you know, I think we all have to figure out what our most effective contributions going to be. 
so I'll tell you this. I definitely have have talked to people about that. People have reached out to me uh, as recently as yesterday. Uh, I'm giving it some thought. I'm not ready on the holler this morning. <laughs> I'm running. I had to try. But it's a good it's a good point. I, I appreciate you asking me. Um, obviously, Congress is one of the places where this and I don't want to say battle because we've got to get honestly, we've got to diffuse politics in this country and stop talking about everything in those terms. But this very important uh, discussion uh, will partly happen in Congress. So it's something to think about. I'm not ready to make that decision today. Um, and, and I do think, you know, what I'm trying to do is figure out what is the what is the best way that I can contribute. I can tell you, you know, you talked about uh, Elias and he is such a good lawyer and had did such a service for our country in these recent election lawsuits. But he's just one person, even with his firm. Uh, you know, the fact is he clearly has shown he's the guy who's got the talent to win these suits. OK, but the problem is if we don't have teams of lawyers at every poll in Pennsylvania, well, next time the people that are opposed to democracy won't be a ragtag band. They'll plan. They'll think about it. And if there's a poll that's not covered, guess what? That's where all of a sudden the fraud, uh, quote unquote, will appear. That's why we need to help Elias by creating an airtight record uh, so that so that when people say, oh, there was fraud in the Pennsylvania presidential election, it'll just be so obviously ridiculous that courts have no choice but to just reject it out of hand. This time, luckily, the Trump folks under Giuliani were, you know, were so unprepared and so half baked that they couldn't really get claims together that were effective. You know. But the fact of the matter is you have many, many prominent lawyers in this country who have not spoken out. You have many prominent Republicans who have not spoken out uh, to support President Biden's election, to recognize that he's a legitimate president. So the point is, it's not just a bunch of yahoos wearing the Chewbacca costumes that are threatening our democracy. Those guys were manipulated as part of an overall plan to overturn a presidential election in the United States of America. The most appalling, extraordinary event that I've ever witnessed. And again, if it was just a riot that just got out of hand, that would be one thing. But it turns out that's not what it was. What 1-6 was, was the tip of a spear held by sophisticated lawyers and President Trump himself. I mean, they were trying to overturn a presidential election. Again, the kind of thing that I thought only occurred in other countries and in bad science fiction movies. So like you said, we all have to drop what we're doing and focus on this threat. This threat transcends everything else because if you don't have a functioning democracy, you can't take on global warming. If you don't have a functioning democracy, ask anybody in any other country, civil rights will wither instantly. If you don't have a functioning democracy, your country will start to fail. And I'll give you a thought on that. Um, I'm probably talking too much, but you know, Russia and China are all often listed as rivals to the United States of America. They're both autocratic countries. Russia and China, wealth isn't everything, but their gross domestic product per capita is $10,000. Okay, that's what it's like to live in an authoritarian country. 
because you can't have you can't develop Apple computer in Russia because some Putin supported warlord will come in and take all your stuff. You know, you can't develop uh, all these great inventions we developed in the United States and China because you've got the intelligence apparatus watching you every minute of your day, probably arresting some of your best software engineers on a, you know, because they said something on social media. Point is, there's a reason that the United States gross domestic product per person is $65,000 or $63,000. And in China and Russia, it's 10,000. Democracy is a moral thing. And whether it makes us rich or poor, we should all be for democracy. But the fact is America is the most successful country in the world because it's a democracy. So if you lose that, you lose everything. All right. That's why I think we all just got to, for the next three and a half years, we have all, every person in the United States to the extent they can needs to turn to this threat, needs to reassert the basic principles put forward since the days of George Washington and Abraham Lincoln and reestablish the basic ground rules in our nation. And just reflect the fact that President Trump, when he decided to challenge an election fraudulently, stepped outside our normal system of government. And we just cannot go there. Right. And I think it's important for people to understand that they kind of saw where that effort failed last time and they've been systematically replacing those people, you know, trying to shore up their efforts for next time and they will try again and they will have help. And it's become basically the only issue that matters to the Republican Party is a willingness to say the last election was stolen and be willing to help them next time. And so you're right that this is a coordinated effort and it is something to be taken seriously. So I I think it's really important and I think you're stressing this and I think there probably will be coverage of your announcement here. And I hope that the media that covers this draws the connection between your decision to step down and your decision to go fight this fight for democracy. I think it's really important to tie those two things together. Well, you know, we all have mixed luck with the press over time, so we'll <laughs> see what gets reported. Uh, but um, right. And and I think, you know, I'm trying to get the word out. Um, again, like you said, there are people even seeing what we face. And again, I guess I would ask, I'm not sure what seventh grade history teacher they had. You know what I mean? Because I thought we all learned the same history. Like, I thought it was just a given that you don't lie about elections. I thought we all thought that if a bunch of people who disagreed with us won the election, that they get to run the show. You know, I I have a lot of relatives that are Republicans. They like me. They love me, but they don't vote like I do, and they don't agree with me on a bunch of issues. Well, look, if they elect their representative and my candidate loses, guess what? They're in charge, not me, because it's the United States of America and the people rule, not not just some ruler who announces that he or she is is entitled. And and so the point is this idea that you actually have serious people now who are challenge who are trying to run for secretary of state in certain states like Michigan that that I understand are basically refusing to elect the last election result. I mean, that is insane. That is something that five years ago would have disqualified any person, Democrat or Republican, from participating in our public life, much less running for office. Not only that, that's their only qualification like that. 
that's right. the reason that they've been chosen is their willingness to do exactly that. So you know, there is this focus, and I and I just want to add, right. I do think there is some uh, sort of, you know, I, I feel like the fact that Democrats have been in charge of the White House, the Senate, and the House has given people this false sense of security that has acted as sort of a shield for the actions that are being taken at the state level and local levels and purging election administrators. So, you know, I feel like your sound of the alarm is really important and, and doing things like this are important because this stuff is happening and being in control of those three major, you know, parts of our government is not protecting us from that. that that's right. I mean, the fact of the matter is, uh, for example, presidential elections are won in the states. Uh, you know, states through their electors send electors up to Washington, and that's our constitutional system. And you can argue about it, but that's how it works. And so each state basically is its own place. And that's why certain anti democratic forces, I say organized by Bannon and some others, are. Uh, trying to take over election machinery in those states. Right. And everybody should just step back and think about that for a moment. Okay, look, everybody knows my views on things, but I would never want to take over election machinery so I could win an election unlawfully, right? I would never do that. Uh, that's because that's illegal, it's wrong, and it's totally un-American and unpatriotic, you know? Uh, I've had lots of disagreements uh, with Glenn Cassida, you know, uh, over the years. All right. But That's surprising to hear. Uh, yeah, one or two. But the point is, he was elected. I would never consider going into Williamson County right. and trying to tinker with the election machinery of Williamson County to get a different outcome because I don't want to win an election if I don't win it fairly because that's what being an American means. The idea that people who should know better are publicly either agreeing with or standing by and watching these folks who are denying uh, the recent presidential outcome, who are still making these bogus claims of fraud discredited by everybody who has looked at them. It, it's just the most outrageous thing in the world. It's just incredible. And people that are doing that are not qualified to participate in our public life. So Mike, I wanna, I wanna, sorry, I just wanna turn to, before I, I appreciate you giving us yeah, all this time, yeah. I just wanna turn to the announcement you're making here. Again, you're not running for reelection. Uh, you're leaving the house. What would you say to whoever's coming behind you about your time there? You know, what would be some advice you would give to whoever is gonna run to fill this seat? You know, you've been there a long time. You fought the fight. You've been one of the more vocal people that stands up and speaks your mind. You know, there seems to be, I'll just give you my sort of perspective. There seems to be this kind of general battle between, you know, speaking up and, 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 you know, fighting the fight and also, you know, kind of playing nice with the people that you're trying to work with, you know, understandably sometimes less understandably other times, but like, how would you suggest someone navigate that having been there as long as you have? Here's what I would suggest. First of all, of course, you know, I'm not in the, <laughs> I don't know if there is one, but if there's a play nice school, I'm probably not in it. You know, I, I do think in the minority, your number one contribution that you can make is challenging the missteps of the majority. Right now, we have a governor who's trying to, I think, essentially defund the public school system. 
And there's not a compromise that can be made there. You just have to fight. And so I would say get with Gloria Johnson and the other folks who are fighting that fight. Find out the game plan and and get engaged, because I think at the end of the day, people elect us at the state level to represent those values, to represent teachers, to represent public schools and to do so uh, very vocally and aggressively. Now, that said, I would say in Tennessee, we've stayed away from uh, really the dangerous Washington politics of degrading and um, disrespecting our opponents. So I hope that over the years, I've been very critical of many Republicans and many Republican policies, but I have never challenged the right of lawfully elected officials to rule and to make their case. And, and we've got to keep that in Tennessee. We've got to keep our, you know, the fact of the matter is, as I often tell people, if you have a complaint with what the Tennessee legislature is doing, your complaint is mostly with the people of Tennessee, because the Tennessee legislature is still a democratic institution that I think largely reflects the will of the people. And, and so I would like to think that I've been an aggressive advocate, but at the same time, I respect the people that are elected, whether Democrat or Republican, and I'll always do that. Because again, it's a democracy. Uh, the people run this show, and to give a specific example, um, or give specific examples, many times in the legislature, I have talked to people who have very different districts, particularly very rural districts, and they have brought to me perspectives, which frankly, I just never would have known you know, about why things were critically important to them in particular bills. Democracy works. It makes for better policy over time. I know there are a lot of policies I've opposed that have been enacted, okay, because I'm a Democrat and Tennessee is trended Republican. I don't like that. I think over time, though, the people can solve their own problems. What we can't have is a situation where uh, people's ability to solve their problems disappears as it has in many countries because the democratic system no longer works. So the, only that, thing I would, the only thing I would push back on a little bit there, and I, I don't think you meant it this way. way. Yeah. Well, well, you know, I, I think to some extent it's absolutely true. The people send these people up there. They must approve of what they're doing to some extent. Right. Uh, but, you know, I think we just saw that Phil Williams report about, you know, 60 million a year getting spent to woo them. There's a lot of policies that I know you support that have, public support, majority support, whether it be Medicaid expansion, whether it be, you know, medicinal marijuana, you know, the list goes on that would reflect the will of the people more, but they don't reflect the will of the special interests. So, you know, I, I, I guess I would ask, like, has it been difficult being up there knowing that a lot of the things you guys are fighting for actually are popular in Tennessee, even in the rural places that you're talking about, but you can't get them through because there's this other presence up there? I would say this. I would say two things. First of all, just polling or just public opinion surveys don't tell you the will of the people in a republic because those legislators weigh, you know, people want some things a lot and they will want some things just very generally. Sure. Okay. And so, you know, a lot of things that we say are popular have deep opposition by some people and that balances out. Okay, like the marijuana debate is is in that category. Um, so so a lot of times when the Tennessee legislature isn't doing what I want, it's not because of special interests. It's frankly because, you know, large numbers of powerful and important Tennesseans, not necessarily rich ones, just, you know, people who have a voice, voters, 
oppose it. That said, you're right. Sometimes special interests have their way. But I will tell you this. I think the Tennessee legislature is still like legislatures have been through without our history, which is, yeah, special interests can have their day, but they can also get swept aside when the people get focused enough. You know, unfortunately, and I've been perhaps my greatest disappointment in the legislature is that we were not able to pass Insure Tennessee. You know, we were not able to expand Medicaid. That's crazy. It's stupid. Um, and that's not good. And, and it's disappointing to me that we have not been able to do that. And certainly that would help Tennesseans. And it's it's a terrible policy. That said, um, you know, I think I think that overall the Tennessee legislature remains an effective functioning democratic system. Uh, most of my complaints, most of the things I haven't been able to do, uh, I think have had, you know, my biggest problem has been that that Republicans have simply opposed them on ideological grounds. That's their right. Perhaps I'm focusing on this because I see our night, our nation drifting into this anti-democratic world. And, you know, I'll take the normal back and forth of democracy, even with special interests any day over what we're facing at the national level, which is a direct challenge to our system of government. And the reason I focus on that, uh, and then I'll be quiet, is, is I do think people watching today, because a lot of people watching your show are very focused, interested people. They're focused on government. We all need to distinguish between normal political battles, even ones that are very hard fought, and the, the threat to our democracy. Look, everybody knows, or many people know, you know, I've picked up an assault rifle and, you know, uh, tried to sell it at a lemonade stand to show people how crazy it is we don't have gun background checks, right? I feel strongly about that, and it's stupid we haven't done that, And but there are people that are against me. That's a very important discussion. It's a critical discussion to have. I think I'm going to win over time, but that is a political debate. That is the kind of debates we've had in our democracy for its entire history. We have not had debates about whether somebody won a presidential election based on bogus fraud claims made up out of thin air. That's a new thing. And we all have to recognize we are not living in a normal situation right now. We are living in a situation of extraordinary peril for our democracy. And you've got to sort those things because we're always going to be winning and losing these political battles, even important ones. That happens in good functioning democracies, but that's different from the threat we're facing now. And every thoughtful person has to start thinking about our situation today as unprecedented we have to recognize we're facing a grave threat to our country and we have to deal with it very directly and forcefully. Mike, thanks for coming on here. Just as a final thought, you know, if you wanted to say anything to your district that's been sending you up there uh, for so long uh, and then and then I'll let you go. Thank you so much. Yeah, I have loved serving the district. One great thing about the district is I get to talk to all sorts of great people. Um, many of them call me on my cell all the time and I get to talk to you. I've walked to many, many, certainly a couple thousand houses in the district over the years, uh, probably more than that. And uh, it has just been the greatest honor of my life to represent the 52nd district. Uh, I've 
never had a day when I didn't enjoy doing it. I've never met a voter, even the ones that were against me. And there have been a few of those, uh, some very vocal, but I've never met a voter uh, who I didn't enjoy. I've rarely met, probably never met a voter who wasn't serious and focused and trying to make the world a better place. And uh, I, I leave with great confidence in the people of, of the 52nd district and really the people of the country. We're facing a difficult situation right now, but it's gonna be an aberration. We're gonna get through it with good leadership. We're gonna win. America always ends up on the right side of history, but we're gonna to have to work hard to make that happen because we're in one of those very difficult situations where we all have to get up and put our back into solving this very significant problem that we're facing. So thank you all for listening. I appreciate it. Thanks, Mike. I uh, appreciate you coming on here doing this on the holler. And, you, you know, if you do decide to run for Congress, you let us know then too, okay? I will. I will definitely let the <laughs> holler <laughs> know what I'm doing. Thank you. All right. Thanks, Mike. Take care. So that's Representative Mike Stewart. Democrat from Nashville, who was the caucus chair as recently as last session and has decided that he is not seeking reelection in 2022. Kind of him to come on here and say that exclusively on the holler. We appreciate you guys following along. You know, my two cents, Mike has been one of the louder voices in there, uh, always comes prepared, you know, always seems to have good talking points. So it's, it's going to be a loss for the Democrats. Uh, hopefully somebody strong in that district can, you know, step up and, and run to replace him and come and bring bring the thunder in there because, you know, it's, it's really important to have people that are willing to stand up and say what needs to be said, even though they are the super minority. Uh, you know, those talking points are important. There's no better place to educate people from than the floor of the House and the Senate and in committee meetings. And, you know, again, in case you missed the beginning, he's leaving to go take on the fight to essentially save our democracy, which, you know, everybody needs to be focused on right now. So hopefully the coverage of this announcement will connect it to his decision to go fight that fight because that's an important one. And, you know, we are pretty perilously close to the edge when it comes to that. We've been saying it on the holler and Mike saying it, too. So appreciate again, Mike coming on here. Appreciate what he's done. Appreciate you guys watching. See you next time. Tennessee. Tennessee. Tennessee.